Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of our series Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. This is the My Matter show where we speak to a different comic creator uh, about their work, who they are, uh, and what goes into the craft of storytelling in the comics medium. Uh, my name is Nigel. I am the co-founder uh, of My Matter and we're trying to showcase the human behind the art as we delve into each person's story. So for today, the person I'm speaking to is Renee Rintes. Renee, welcome, and hopefully I managed to say your name somewhat right. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, we've been speaking to Renee um, uh, quite a lot over the past uh, month, spoke on our podcast as well, and has been speaking to Dutch comic creators uh, in general and always trying to get the the last names right so still working on it it's, it's a work in progress but welcome thanks for joining me and how are you uh i'm good yeah <laughs> so like i said this is a conversation that is about what's well, about you uh, and it's about trying to get behind the art get behind the story find out about the people because uh, i feel that you know we all like to consume uh, different artwork but don't always have an idea of the people who make the artwork and what goes into making the artwork. So that's what we're gonna try and find out uh, while we're here. So over in the next just under an hour, uh, I'm gonna be having a conversation with Renee uh, and then talking about different projects she's working on, uh, how she makes some of her art, and then throwing in some questions from the chat. So if there are any questions in chat, feel free to pop those in and I'll ask Renee. First thing I will say is, Renee and I have spoken, uh, so we spoke on our podcast. So what I'm going to do actually is, if you would like to know more about the backstory behind uh, Renee's journey uh, into comics, you can check out episode 101 of our podcast and find out all about that. So in this conversation, I'm going to skip ahead. So uh, if you want to learn like Renee's origin story, uh, check out the podcast episode there, and then you can hear about the, the present day. So first thing, Renee. What are you working on at the moment? What is occupying your time with comics? A couple projects. I'm currently working on a graphic novel and own project. So yeah, regarding art, a couple things at the same time. <laughs> so we were just talking actually before we went live about sort of working on multiple projects. So <laughs> I am terrible with this. Uh, I, I know because people have told me uh, in just the past 24 hours um, how bad I am with this. How do you, as someone who creates her own comics, uh, works with other brands, other organizations on illustrations, how do you manage, like literally manage your time between projects and then also work in time for for rest and relaxation because again i'm terrible with that so please basically give me tips like how do i do this i'm not sure if i'm the right person to ask the last one <laughs> <laughs> you might be better than me honestly like the, these past few weeks like i don't know if we're for like relaxation i guess i'm also drawing for relaxation so knowing when to stop yeah i think when, when your body is telling you like hey go take a break for me most like because i had a burnout before due to overworking and there are lots of couple lots of different things that were involved for that uh so as soon as your body tells you like hey take it easy uh listen to that and try to beat that ahead so yeah for now um i'm trying to manage my time with the projects i have now and make a daily schedule 
and see where it goes. Like as long as I'm doing a little bit every every day, it gets done. Because sometimes, especially in the past, I got overwhelmed by too much work, and I tend up like not doing anything at all, just staring at my paper or screen. And technically, I'm working but not working, I guess, because uh, there's nothing coming out then. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're in the place of work, but nothing's actually happening. Yeah. Okay. So I had that a lot before. <laughs> okay. Like, is that when you say before? Is that like during the pandemic? specifically oh pandemic was was even more horrible um yeah i I think no one was in a good place during the pandemic um that's why actually during the pandemic i wanted to do something more fun and Mm. find back that spark because we cannot go to conventions we don't see our fellow artists and that's when i thought to make an anthology (laughs) all right we're gonna go into the anthology because uh, so on the podcast, we talked about some of the work you had done and specifically about the anthology. So what I'm interested to know in, like, in this conversation is kind of find out a bit more about the, the Kickstarter process. Uh, but before we get to the specific Kickstarter part of it, do you want to just like recap, even though I know you said it on the, on the podcast, just recap this anthology that you are working on? Because it sounds like a really interesting project that, that's got a lot of different pieces to it uh yeah it absolutely is let's see where to start yeah basically i want to make something with other artists like i'm apologize my english is not my first language so it's uh, <laughs> i need to get back yeah i should have said that at the beginning actually so renee is a, a dutch comic creator um so operating in two languages here which is good because i only know one so uh you're doing better <laughs> than me thank you so yeah, I want to make an, an anthology. I did one before uh, in 2017 with uh, two other friends of mine who are fantastic artists. Actually, wait, I can show you that. That's uh, this one, Oyasumi. <laughs> the light is very bright. Um, so yeah, I started like as one of those uh, typical manga enthusiasts, uh, girls who always drew manga at school. And that's when, yeah, I started with uh, Kimberly and Coco uh, Oyasumi. So can show you guys some of the insights as well. This is old work. So yeah, I did this story. Um, I'm a sucker for horror. And uh, we tried to make this one as close to the um, traditional manga. I'm just going to flip through it like this. This is Coco's work. It's really amazing. So um, yeah, this, these are three artists. Kimberly. She's also a super amazing old uh, Dutch artist, by the way. So yeah, when I was on this project, uh, I really loved the idea of having multiple artists working together in one book. And for yeah, the one I'm doing now, Figments, um, I want to like ex- expand it more. Like not just Dutch artists, but also artists from all over the world and different art styles. So not just manga, yeah, in <laughs> that. And with like the different artists, because you were saying how you had to reach out obviously you had to reach out to a lot of people like rough figure oh unless you know the exact number how many artists exactly are you working uh including myself 11 11 different artists and across many different countries uh, as well i, I think even more because uh, if we uh count in the colorists uh the letters um every artist is working with their own team uh yeah. and some do the art, art and stories all on their own so it's a various like, mix of uh, creators. That sounds like a big project. Were you intending for it to be such a big project or is this something that 
grew once you started? Because you kind of, like when you were talking about your first anthology, you've gone from, so like you and two friends to yeah. all in the same country to 11 artists and maybe colorists, letterers. Like, did you intend for it to be that big or did it just grow to that size? Uh, go big or go home, they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to make something uh, bigger and uh, also take the time for this. So this project has been going on since the beginning of COVID, like half 2020, so almost two years. Uh, and it's all like uh, getting in contact with everyone, planning out stories and figure out what everyone wants to do. So it all fits together. Yeah, and eventually we came up with a very nice mix of artists. And with the story, was that a story that you had set or did you get that from somewhere else? Like, how did that story develop? Because it, is it everyone's telling the same story or like contributing to the same story? Uh, neither. It's um, like there are, I gave everyone their own freedom to create what they wanted to do. Because as like, yeah, in COVID times and especially as artists, we were not very rich Um don't do this job if you want to become rich. It's really a passion project, literally, because uh, the first issue is has one theme. It's called Passion, uh, Figments of Passion. Mm. So basically, I want to have everyone have the freedom to create something they enjoy, they want to do, and want to put out there. And hopefully that other people will love it too. So the only thing they were bound by was the theme of Passion. And uh, during the uh, the process everyone needs to send up their storyboards or their stories and i will review it see if it fits with uh, everyone else like it would be bad if if like two or three people have like the same story that's too similar so i want to watch out for that but surprisingly everyone has a very creative input on the theme so yeah so basically you were the editor so you had to review everyone's story and you contributed your own story right Yes. Well, not my story. It's uh, I'm working with a writer, so um, Christian Carnouche. Uh, I hope I pronounce his name right as well. <laughs> yeah, that's how I pronounce his name. So if if we're wrong, we're both wrong. <laughs> so um, yeah, he's a fantastic writer. Uh, I've been uh, brainstorming with him sometime already for some darker thriller stories, and I asked him to be on board for Figments, and yeah, he came up with a very cool story. Nice. Actually, just to backtrack uh, a little bit, you mentioned like being really into horror. Yes. Why is that? Because uh, I'm I'm not particularly into horror, although I have uh, read your story and I uh, I did like uh, did like it. But just in general, I was weird because usually people don't like being scared, so you enjoy being scared. I'm assuming. Or what is it about horror that attracts you to it? It's not not really the part of being scared. It's more. The unknown, like if you, uh, the mystery behind the story, if if it's told well. I'm not particularly fond of gore, like I don't consider that horror. Uh, so I'm, I personally really like the psychological horror story. So, um, give me an example. <laughs> example. Um, I think the the Haunting of Hill House and Blind Manor series are very good examples for stories that are amazingly done. Uh, okay. There are barely any jump scares in there. It's just the tension all the way through uh, that keeps you on, like on edge the whole time. Yeah. And you don't really know what's going on until the end of the story, where it all comes together. I love that. <laughs> cool. You know, um, so Tazzy, uh, my podcast co-host, recommended both of them. I haven't got to them yet myself, but 
it has been recommended. I think when you were on the podcast, you also talked about it. So that's another uh, another thing to remind me. All right, so it's more the it's less the jump scares and the gore, and it's more the psychological aspect of it. Yes, yes. Though to be honest, for I assume I went all out on sort of the body gore. <laughs> yeah, I do remember there is a bit of that as well. <laughs> yes, because uh, yeah, I just enjoy drawing that like nasty things. <laughs> so I think more as an artist, I enjoy drawing uh, like zombies or creepy stuff. Uh, but as for the story, I think it's more important. That's very mysterious the whole way through and something you didn't do not expect. So yeah, that, that's uh, what I love in, in stories as well. Um, and to be honest, for writing those, like I have ideas, yeah. but I'm horrible at writing. <laughs> just not okay. for me. Uh, so yeah, yeah when I um, came to know uh, Christian and I read his comics and we started talking about uh, stories we liked, we noticed we really like sort of the same genre um and he wrote some of those uh, ideas uh, and he has his own ideas and yeah they were amazing so um i'm really looking forward to see what people think of our story in figments because <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna say it's it's a, a dark passion story like passion can be um assumed to be happy but we did not go for the happy uh, <laughs> yeah. okay very cool the the dark route in in terms of passion interesting and so what stage is it at now because you've got i know you've got a kickstarter coming is it finished and you're doing the kickstarter for printing distribution or is, or is there still work to be done uh yeah it's boy it's a lot of work <laughs> I, I did a anthology before and i was really overwhelmed by how much work it is to put it together in for ready for printing and uh, all the small details. So again, for this project as well, it's like, yes, we're going to do this. And <laughs> now we're at the end stage, like, oh, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> but um, done <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's very much doable and everyone on the team is, is great. Uh, so now we're almost completely finished with the book as well as the Kickstarter. Uh, I put the Kickstarter together this uh, this month to prepare it all for launching. I think we're going to launch it at the end of the month, somewhere around that. I'm waiting for one video to be finished and uh, some small last details for the Kickstarter. And also I'm working on another other graphic novel that will be launched, not as a Kickstarter, but a different crowdfunding. It's called Nina. Oh, a different platform. Yeah, a different platform. It's a Dutch uh, platform. That book will also eventually come in English, but for now it's uh, only in uh, in Dutch for the first first publication. Um, so that crowdfunding will be launched this week at max next week. So yeah, I, I want I want to have that one first uh, launched, and then afterwards um, we're going to launch figments. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you got two crowdfunding campaigns like in the works. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I've done uh, I've done a few <laughs> Kickstarters, so I know the work involved in that. Good luck. <laughs> so we'll definitely be like sharing that as well. But because you're here and you're in the midst of making a Kickstarter campaign, uh, I wanted to talk about that process because, like I said, so we're working on a campaign, very early stages, but something sort of maybe in like more June, towards the end of June, uh, mm -hmm. looking at. And we've done previous Kickstarter campaigns, about 50% success, success rate. And this is your your first campaign, right? All right. So, what have you what have you learned so far about making a Kickstarter campaign? 
Uh, so far, it's actually kind of the work that I anticipated it to be uh, for promoting, getting everything ready, um, making visuals. So I think that that one went pretty smoothly. Though one hiccup I still have, and it's more uh, maybe a fear I have, but it's the shipping part. <laughs> I'm so oh. confused about the whole shipping thing worldwide and the whole, um, yeah, how to get that out there. Yeah, you know what, it's, oh man, the last, so the last campaign we did was for our comic, uh, Serious Through the Fog, which I wrote during the pandemic uh, and got out at the end of 2021, 20, something like that. And in that time, we had, well, before that, we had Brexit, but uh, here in the UK, we had the, the impact of Brexit in terms of like uh, shipping stuff. So when it came to shipping, we had a few orders, actually quite a few, uh, in America, uh, we had some in Europe, and that bill, like that cost, was not to scare you off, but yeah, just keep that in mind. Like factor in the cost for shipping because that was a lot. Like it, it was a lot to ship, and I think that's one of the things I certainly didn't fully appreciate. Even though I've done multiple campaigns, obviously, like outside factors were like affected the cost. But I think that's one of the things when I look at like advice for Kickstarters, something that always comes up is think about your shipping. So not only how you're going to, you know, actually ship, like literally package and, and send, but then uh, the cost of that. So yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good like learning lesson. Yeah. So like packaging the, or the whole project is going to be a lot of work. And um, <laughs> like my mom also said, like, if it's finished, we'll just sit down for a couple of days and just start packing everything. It's going to be fine. But yeah, the, the thing I'm more worried about is the cost or um, mainly the if there are unexpected costs that because yeah. everything is so chaotic and changing constantly. So, I mean, I, I could calculate a price now for shipping, but once the book is finished and it's printed and we can send it out, it could be different. And even if it's like a couple of cents or a euro something, depending on how well the Kickstarter will do, it can be like a lot of money that might go to or come from our own pockets then mm. so uh, i want to avoid that yeah yeah <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully you can and um i mean it's kind of a it's a good problem to have i guess but it's still a problem because it's good that you know if you get a bunch of people that want your work but then it's like oh okay now i need to get it to them uh, and it, it might cost uh, more but i mean in terms of the making the project like putting together the artwork and the page how have you found that process I would say smoothly, but then again, also not really. <laughs> it's because you're working with like a very big uh, team and a lot of uh, individuals, and well, there it can can be some uh, bumps in the road uh, or delays. So yeah, I'm I'm happy we we got this done in the two years that I hoped it would be. Like ideally, I I wish to have it done at the beginning of the year. Like very very ambitious uh, idea. Yeah, we're nearly to the end and everyone is like finished. I think we just need a couple more pages and then it's all done. So I'd say the book is 90-95% completely done. Like okay. the art is there, um, all the pages are there, the story is between... I think the shortest is 12 pages uh, to 25. So it's actually quite substantial like stories. Yes. Like, uh, there's also a rule I set, basically, when I ask people to join. Um, I also told them, like, I want to have the funding uh, through the Kickstarter. I, I'm a broke artist myself, so <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had the money to pay everyone. 
So I was really happy that all the artists were very enthusiastic. Is that the right word? Yes. <laughs> happy uh, and enthusiastic about the project uh, to join in. And yeah, so they have a lot of faith in, in me and in the project, me too, in them. So I hope it will be a success. So basically the Kickstarter will be uh, for like all the money that will be made with Kickstarter will go to the artists. That's uh, that's my my goal for a Kickstarter. That's cool. And yeah, it's good that everyone came together. Yeah, because like you say, everyone's got a passion for it. And just like making comics, like money's not the the biggest factor like that motivates people. But obviously it is important for people to continue doing what they do. Um, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny you say like, if you want to be rich, don't go into comics. So why did you go into comics? Because <laughs> I'm an idiot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I like I loved comics when I was a child, and uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool that people create stories and tell stories through art. Um, I myself, I'm I'm dyslexic. So dyslexic is that a word in English? Yeah, dyslexic. Yeah. yeah. So I have really troubles reading books with like with a lot of text i can read but it basically dances for my eyes and it's very exhausting so uh pictures and comics are are better for me to read uh, i enjoy them more i mean pretty pictures <laughs> <laughs> the good pictures the nice pictures yes so um yeah when i was a kid and i started reading manga and eventually started reading other comics i was like i want to make this i want to make awesome books that people can enjoy and maybe inspire other people through my art okay so were you well like with the dyslexia or even without it were you did you have a good time at school because of or did you not have a good time at school because of like you know the amount of reading you had to do or how did that work out for you i'm lucky i i am a fast learner so i don't have to read much to memorize it uh and basically during class i just keep drawing and i <laughs> which sounds that i'm not paying attention but i'm actually paying more attention i think we uh, spoke about that last time as well <laughs> yeah yeah so you like a lot of uh, doodling and in the margins and everything so you were that kid yes uh because that way i i i can focus better on what's being said and well most of the times what a teacher is teaching during class uh, is not for the exams i do remember when it was in middle school, um, I got these very big printed um, A3 tests. So, like, if we have a test or exam, uh, they print it on like this big paper. Wait, they print the questions. Like, like the whole whole um, the whole test was just normally people have it like on A4 oh. size, and you just make the exam. Yeah, yeah. For me, they print like on this big paper uh, A3 size. Oh, for you specifically. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> uh, I was right. always like. Guys, I'm dyslactic. I'm not blind. You're blind, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Why would that help? <laughs> it, it really didn't. So that <laughs> was very useless. <laughs> Wait, so you you'd literally be like, so everyone else would have normal size paper. You'd have a big sheet of yes. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, that just makes you stand out for no reason. Uh, luckily, I wasn't the only one with dyslexia, so that that was <laughs> okay. Uh, but. Yeah, it, I didn't see the point in it because yeah, I'm not I'm not blind. I just uh, I have the same problem with big paper. Yeah, that so I guess that didn't help at all. No, it didn't. <laughs> all right, so then yeah, because you remember you saying like you always wanted to, or from an early age, like be a an artist or some kind. 
So you're kind of you're here now. And how how does like the I guess like the reality of being a, an artist, a comic artist, or otherwise, how does that match to the perception of like what you thought when you were younger? I think it was it's pretty uh, what I expected, except for the part of my insecurities. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I remember when I was little, like, oh, when I grow up and I'm uh, more experienced, um, I'm not gonna hate my work so much, and I'm gonna be confident about it. Yeah, no, wondering. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, we could talk about that because that's a uh, that's a tough one. I'm I'm not an artist, but I do create uh, things. I, I write uh, stories and run a business uh, as best as I uh, as I can and that whole thing about insecurities especially as a creator as a comic creator uh, any kind of creator is I feel like it doesn't necessarily go away uh, or at least like for me it doesn't go away it's like having to manage it because for some reason you'll make something and you know you tell me if this sounds familiar but uh, you'll make something and you either go like oh, I could have done better here, here, here. Or like, oh, look at that. Like, look at that other person. Like, my work should be like that because that's really good. And what I've done is not like that. Do do either of those sound familiar to you? Oh, yes, absolutely. Kind of with everything, like even if I post something on on, on the internet, I'm always second guessing like, oh, um, are people going to hate this? Or, mm. uh, oh, they will finally find out, I'm, uh, find out I'm a fraud and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Like that famous uh, um, imposter syndrome, uh, what a lot of creators have. So, yeah, that's something I really underestimated. I think I was hoping when I was a kid and growing up, I would grow to be more self-confident. but Let's see, uh, how do I describe this? I think it's also a little bit about the journey uh, for creating. Like, for me, most of the times during the process, it, it goes up and down with, oh, I like my work a bit more, I, or I don't hate it that much, <laughs> to I really hate it and I want to quit. Why do people hire me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a scale, right? Yeah. <laughs> but eventually, when, um, when you're finished with a project, that satisfaction and feeling of accomplishment like you did that will make up for the whole process of agony and self-doubt you have during creating that yeah no i i've had that since like the very first comic um actually i'll tell you a story like about our so our first comic samurai chef or the first part because we did it in two parts uh, and i remember we met a a comic creator an illustrator uh like he'd worked for like um, I think he worked for Disney. I feel like he worked for Marvel, like big like comic publishing houses. So we met, and I think I sent him a. This is a while ago. I either sent him a physical copy. I gave him a physical copy of our uh, first like Samurai Show comic or a digital copy. One of them. So we we're talking, went away, and then because uh, we we exchanged numbers, uh, and I remember uh, one evening I had like five missed calls. Uh, from him and I was like I, so I had that moment of I've this this is either something very good or very bad <laughs> um, so like either he liked the work or he wanted to tell me like what you're doing is terrible stop it right now but whatever it is it's urgent and then I, I, I called him up and he said that uh, I can't remember the exact words but he said something along the lines of like I read I read a comic and it's it's the best sort of manga style comic that I've read outside of Japan. I was like, oh, 
phew, that was my first thing. I was like, phew, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't hate it. So that's cool. And then I, then I kind of like acknowledged, acknowledged that. But it was that thing. And, I, and I've had that in various ways ever since, like just when something happens, it's like, you're not sure, like, is this very good or very bad? It's never in the middle, at least for me. It's not in the middle. So it's either something very good or it's very bad. And usually my mind goes to very bad. So, yeah, it is that, like, imposter syndrome that is is always there in the background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds so familiar. But, like, a question for you, but can you also take the compliment when someone tells you it's amazing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably not, To be, if I'm honest, like... I'm not great at taking compliments. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, no, I'm, I'm not great at taking compliments because it depends what it is. Like sometimes, like I've found there's certain, there's certain areas where like I know uh, I've done well. So like within our brand, um, I mean, I think we've spoken about this, but for people sort of watching now or later, like we also, like I also do workshops uh, with young people uh, and I do talks at like events and uh, and things like that doing workshops and like engaging with kids or doing a talk like that I've no problem not to say I'm like the best or, or anything but just no problem in knowing that that I've done a good job but everything else has a question mark <laughs> uh, around it so yeah when people compliment on other things it's like you're never quite sure and what I've found is because I came to this through like my background as a software engineer so I used to work like a regular nine to five and one of the things I found in going from nine to five to like self-employed and business is when you're employed, you're always getting that feedback of you've done a good job or not. And it is always very clear. And I guess that's the same for you as a like freelancer on, on that side. You know if the client is happy or not. But when it's for yourself or when you're starting your own business, you don't always get that immediate feedback. And I found that if you have that long enough, then you can start to question like, is this is this good or not? Because no one's said anything. Yeah, I, uh, and I think also for uh, for as a creator uh, that we all have is you do something that is closer to what you love and what's more personal to you. Uh, so that's always the thing. Because when it's personal, then it, it's like you feel more vulnerable, like putting it out. Yes, that's yeah. a, <laughs> that, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, so do you get that, like with, say, with Figments, do you feel like, I mean, you haven't done the Kickstarter yet, but <laughs> like putting it out, do you feel, do you feel that vulnerable? I'm going to be very honest with you. <laughs> when I was starting up with Figments, oh, I'm very impulsive. Like if I have an idea and I want to go for it, I just, I'm just going to put it out there uh, and do the things that are necessary to get it going, like contact people or asking people to join. Yep. And then it's when a common sense uh, kicks in, like, oh, crap, what am I doing? I'm bothering <laughs> these people. Uh, they got way better things to do than joining me on this charity project. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very honest when I ask people uh, to join in, because I do it out of passion for uh, and love for art. And mm -hmm. like most creators also are doing, of course, paying the bills is also very important. <laughs> But I was second guessing uh, afterwards everything I'd done. Uh, like, oh crap, I asked this person. Oh no, he this person will think I'm an arrogant fool. How uh, yeah. <laughs> dare I uh, ask them to join on this uh, amateur project or something? 
And then there are people who are telling me like, oh, you're so successful and you're so, uh, uh, yeah, doing well in the work field and you're amazing. Well, I still feel myself as this amateur that just started out. Yeah, I've got that. And it's one of those things where sometimes with, I find particularly with social media, because people only see like a snapshot or something and then they'll be like, oh, this looks great. So you must be doing amazing because your your artwork looks amazing. So therefore, but then you're like, you've got all the insecurities and everything. So I find like it can be hard to to go from hearing, oh, you're amazing, you're doing well, to am I doing well? Like, is is this working? It's like, yeah, how does these two things match? They don't match. It's like, um, no, I I totally get that. I I think it's, like I said, I do workshops with, with young people and oftentimes like with, people want to do art and an artist and you kind of see it and I always find it's this is a way that I've been able to identify it more when I see it in younger people then I go oh I recognize that like and then you try and help them not do that so they don't spend the number of years the same number of years that you've been in that position but yeah it's something that I think it's just something that affects sort of creative people maybe not like a hundred percent of creative people but like a lot of creative people so I think it's good that you mentioned it because like you say, people can think, oh, everyone else is doing great and feeling like super confident. And it's not necessarily the case. No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, th- I think we all have our insecurities that we try to mask. And um, just like you said, on social media, you tend to show your best part and uh, show that you're capable and pretend like you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I think there is no one way of becoming a ar- comic artist or writer it's just um doing it having luck i think um having the right connections meeting the right people yeah there's so many things that that have influence on where you eventually end up uh, with your work just like what you had you gave your comic to an artist and this person started calling you and uh you guys worked together right on the the next uh, issue no, we didn't necessarily work together. It was more of a case of like uh, he gave advice, like so he's like he's giving is like helpful in terms of thinking. And I've had that like uh, a number of times over the years. Is like putting your work out and then getting people if if it's not a direct like working with someone, someone who's giving you advice. Or what's also really cool is putting you in touch with other people. Yeah, yeah. So that whole networking thing. But yeah, it, it's really helpful once you can put your work out, show people what you're doing. Uh, get over your insecurities and then <laughs> you might get something from it yes absolutely or i think it's not really you never really get over the insecurities i think it's just something you learn to live with and also like a funny example for artists who are very critical about their own work i noticed like I, i've done also very com- uh, various commercial work for companies and sometimes like just a few of them have very t- tight tight deadlines they just call you up and are like okay we need this in two days go mm. um wow. and then it's like okay i need to sit down and just make something and what i notice is that i tend not to make something like pretty decent in that amount of time and the client is super i do uh like it's oh, you do? Okay. yes and and the client is super happy with it they're like oh it's so amazing and we'll, we will uh, hire you again sometimes and for me especially when i'm finished with it i hate it i absolutely hate it i'm like well <laughs> if i had more time i could have like put my uh, 100% potential in this artwork and they get what they paid for now they pay me a lot of money for something that's half-assed in my opinion but then that's like 
I guess that's you not necessarily looking at the work. It's you thinking like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. But the work you did was good. It is good. And I probably could have done a little bit better if I spent more time on it. But yeah. the difference that would have made it is me ending up spending five as much, uh, five times as much time uh, on the same piece while your pay is not getting five times more. <laughs> so right. eventually I was, I was, I'm starting to learn more to let go of the perfectionist uh, side. Like I can do better if I have like all the time in the world uh, to work on something. Or I just need to make something that's worth this time and finish not perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and, it's, and it's good, yeah, good enough most of the times because uh, companies, publishers do know more about art and they can give better feedback. But for commercial work, they probably don't know what's good or not good because they're mm. more into accounting or something not creative. That's why they hire you. Yeah, yeah. So like what you do is just like amazing to them because they're not working in art. They're just like, we need, I don't know, they send you a brief and then... We just yeah. need to tick the boxes of the brief. And if you do that, and that is the job, right? If you do that, then you've done a good job. I mean, you might think I could have done better and if I had more time, but then you don't. And you don't necessarily need more time to do what they want because that's the, that's the thing, right? It's not your art, it's their, yeah. their work. So it's like thinking about that. Um, and that's, like, that's another important point, like the difference between making like your projects, so like figments and take the time to get that we're going to do revisions we're going to like make changes here and there versus like the client we need this thing in two days which is to be fair that's not that's not a lot of time but we need something quick once it's done we don't need it to be perfect we just need it for whatever project that they've got yeah absolutely that so um yeah those are nice reminders meant like with like um oh yeah i can create something good enough with little so um finish yourself <laughs> so yeah speaking of like creating your uh your art so you i know you said you're not a writing is not your best your strongest suit but you do write stories as well as draw yeah i guess i do <laughs> so, <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes sometimes so yeah. like uh, as someone who is creative creates their own work is there a time of day when you're best at either writing or drawing no, not really. I'm going to be very honest. I'm kind of a hippie in that way. Uh, I, I don't have like a very one-way schedule of how I work. I, I do sit down and just uh, draw, but sometimes um, one day I wake up and I feel like I want to write something, then I, I will sit down and write something. Or I have some... I, most of the times I'm, I don't really write right, like the whole thing, but I do take notes for ideas I, I get. Okay. And then you kind of like write them up later. So you can just work at, at any point, like morning, afternoon, evening is fine for you. Yeah. Well, I'm not really a morning person. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, mainly in the evening, I get more, I, I start to have more of a peace of mind to do something uh, else. If it's in bed, I just uh, take my tablet and doodle something or I write something down. So you mentioned being a fan of horror before. Uh, are there any like stories not in comics that you like to take inspiration for, like any type of stories or um, type of places? So like, do you like watching like films or TV shows, reading? Well, I guess not reading books. Um, we <laughs> we avoid that, so we stick. Well, to I, I just recently started listening to books because 
Luckily, nowadays you have like audiobooks. I'm very happy with that. Okay. So what stories are you listening or watching at the moment? I listen to a lot of podcasts mainly. I still need to get into the whole listening to books. I just listened to one book on audio to see how that uh, was. And that was pretty good. Uh, so I want to do more of that. So yeah, uh, podcasts, horror podcasts, true um, crime podcasts, mystery podcasts, Netflix. Netflix is always good. Have you seen or listened to, um, I think it's called Serial? Uh, it's a podcast series. Oh, I listened to this. I'm going to have to send you a link afterwards. But it's a, but it's a series where, I'm trying to remember because it was like a few years, like at least three or maybe four years ago. But I think a journalist like went back to investigate an unsolved, no, no, it was a murder. The suspect was in prison, but she went back because some of the things didn't add up. And the person who was in prison for uh, murder, like maintained his innocence. So she went back and looked like, like talked to people, interviewed like friends and other witnesses. And it's one of those kind of mystery, but it's real life because it's, <laughs> it's a real investigation. And she even talked to the guy in, in prison. So it was a ser- serialized podcast. So it was, I think like 10 episodes or something like that. And you kind of build up to this mystery at the time. I think the case was still ongoing because he was getting a, uh, a retrial. So I didn't know the, what the outcome was. Actually, I might now I say it, I'm going to have to go and <laughs> uh, look that up. But uh, that was a good series, like a good podcast series. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I love how um, how these days there are so many podcasts to listen to. I haven't heard of that one yet. So when I need to check out for sure. And then on Netflix, what kind of shows are you watching on Netflix? see like actually like a lot of horror and mystery thriller <laughs> to think uh behind her eyes was one of the recent ones i've seen and chambers is also very good uh both are very mystery based um yeah i wouldn't really call it horror horror it's more mystery thriller uh I, i'm just a sucker for mystery <laughs> so um that's cool and then i guess that have you always been interested in that has that influenced your work absolutely yeah or the other way around so you've been into always been into mystery, and then you now like make a lot of mystery uh, stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I de- definitely got inspired by that, and I want to make mystery uh, stories or um, thrillers, um, especially like also um, the human. Uh, wait, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. If I, if I say this right in English, but uh, the psychological part for people, like why people are doing what they do. Yeah what is right what is wrong uh those kind of questions uh and themes i really like um to look up that gray area in the story okay that's interesting yeah i like that kind of like asking those questions in the form of a story it's like yeah morality yeah what is right why that's a good one why do people do what they do because everyone's got like a motivation and that's the cool thing about stories you can explore those uh, those areas of, like humanity really like through stories yeah, I really like if you if you have like a good story uh, of that, where after the story, if you read it or watched it, that you are questioning your own morality or what would you do in that kind of situation. And yeah, <laughs> that I really like that. Okay, so we're almost at the end of this interview, but really? one of the things I'm going to know. Yeah, <laughs> it always goes quick. Um, so if, uh, anyone watching does have a question, uh, feel free to put it in the chat. Actually, even before I asked the question, I was going to ask because you mentioned Netflix. Have you watched Arcane? 
Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's, cool. uh, <laughs> super good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Uh, I don't have to go into that or explain that because uh, I've just been telling everyone to go and watch that. Oh um, yes. I'm. I don't know if you're into League of Legends. No. <laughs> I, I don't really game much, but um, I did like the animatics shorts they um, sometimes uh, put out for promotion. Yeah. And then I heard they were making a series, and the art is so good. And also the storytelling and the characters. Um, it was actually a lot better than I expected it to be. Oh, yeah. I, I had zero expectation because I, I know about League of Legends, and that's it. I know it exists, and that's it. I don't, I don't care about it. I have no feelings either way. So when I saw it, I wasn't going to watch it because I'm not into it. But then I thought, okay, let me let me give it a go. And I was just like blown away. Like this is yeah, so this is an actual actual masterpiece. Um, so I think me and Tazzy, we did an episode actually. We, so we did a an episode of the podcast um, on Arcane, and we had a guest who not from uh, Forty Issues, the the animation studio, but from a studio in London uh, called The Line. Who they have worked with Riot Games, who make League of Legends on like some music videos around characters. So he had a like a good insight into sort of the animation process and the, and the stories and the uh, and the characters and everything. So that was a good that was a good discussion. But yeah, me and Taz were like, we might need to do more episodes on Arcane just so we can talk uh, about that. But before I turn this into an Arcane podcast, because I will, uh, my last question is actually for you. Uh, what what does success look like for you? Like, what's success for you? I like to end with a difficult, <laughs> difficult question. Difficult question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think overcoming your own fears and uh, still making something, uh, like uh, finishing a, a project um, and growing along the way, <laughs> that, um, I think that's success. Like... Um, I think for me personally, like if I have a project that I'm working on, have it finished to the end, uh, like the, making the product. Because there are a lot of stages of uh, self-doubt you go through while uh, creating something. And with every project, you learn something. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've definitely learned that. So, yeah, no, I, I like that. So, like overcoming the, or again, like managing, let's say managing the those insecurities, the imposter syndrome to to create the art that you want to create i like that message and before we end let me just like i'm just going to put in the chat our a link to our arcane discussion just everyone needs to watch arcane uh, and if you have watched it you can listen to our discussion uh, about arcane but we have reached the end of the interview or conversation so our casual conversation uh, so renee thank you for coming on uh, again because uh, we only recently spoke on our podcast. Uh, you're back here on our live stream. Uh, thank you for spending the time uh, with me and sharing more about your journey uh, and the work you create. So last thing, where can people find you online? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just put my name in there and you find it. <laughs> and then we have uh, Renee's name right along. Uh, well, that's my stuff there and then just there is Renee's um so people watching that makes sense to them so you can see uh Renee's Instagram uh, and her name so put that in uh social media and there you go down down down, oh, down. Do there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah Renee thank you very much uh for chatting with me uh thank you for everyone uh watching now 
and uh, just shout out Benjamin, who has no questions, but just says thank you for the talk. So I uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, so this has been a, another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators, where every month we're talking to different creators about the work they do uh, and the craft of making stories in the comics medium. So my name is Nigel, and uh, yeah, we will chat to you next month and also check out our links because we're doing other things around uh, comics uh, talking on our podcasts uh, and video games so yeah if uh yeah if you if you've not been tired of us talking or me talking uh, there's a lot more of my voice out there on the internet so thank you for watching and we will see you again next time mm-hmm.